excited this morning when I saw the set list and uh, genuinely Matt, who, who did the set list for this morning's worship, we didn't speak and he didn't know what I was going to talk about, but that final song to do with passion so flows into what I want to talk to you about this morning. If you like a title, my title is Passionate People. Passionate People. Turn to three people and say, be a passionate person. Can I just instill some culture? You know, since, since we've been back at church, it feels like almost we're starting again. Lots of new people in church. When I preach, I want some response, people. This side, after three, can I get an amen? One, two, three. Oh, can you do better than that? I mean, for crying out loud. After three, I want to come on. Okay. Oh, one, two, three. I'll give you one more chance, okay? Otherwise, the door's over there. On the three, I want, we're better than you. One, two, three. See, see now, now, I may or may not say something good this morning. If I say something good, can I get some kind of encouragement? You know, I went to preach at a different church a little while ago, and my children came with me, and they said, Dad, that was brilliant. And I tell you why, because they pull it out of you. Has anyone preached? Mark, you'll get this. Sarah, you'll get this. When you start getting response, God just takes you to another level. I need you to pull something out of me this morning. Will you help me? (laughs) Again, will you help me? Oh, there we are. You see, we've also got a reputation, especially in the Quipper circles, that we are Equippers Essex. Now, Essex has some connotations. We know that, don't we? I'm not going to preach him in my white stilettos this morning. But what we can be is a little bit lively. Hey, church, come on, let's represent our county well and the kingdom well. I believe heaven's going to be a noisy place. You know, those who like quiet, I'm not sure you're going to, oh, heaven might be a bit iffy for you. I think it's going to be quite loud. Well, I'm going to be there for a start. So come on, let's represent heaven. Amen? Amen. There you are. This idea of passion. You know, I've wrestled with it, and it's almost hard to put words around this, this idea of passion. You see, because it's, it's, it's a big mixture. It's love, but it's not love, is it? It's kind of love's attached to it, and it's actually really to do with pain and discomfort. It's actually to do with heart and commitment and the, the willingness to get involved and exuberance and the connection with people. It's all these ideas put into this world we call passion, but it's really hard to put your finger on. Do you hear me? It's quite a tricky one. I'm sure you can wrestle that yourself. But this is what's absolutely true of passion. It has to have an expression. Is it even passion if you don't put it on display? See, it has to have an expression. Let me look through some ideas of where you might see passion in our world today. There are lots of people who would say they are passionate about a sports team. Amen? There's an important game today which Liverpool are going to win. We're passionate about our sports team. And you'll know they're passionate because they'll know the lineup, they'll know the management, they'll know the fixture list. They may well have the team kit and grown men walk around in football kits because they're putting their passion on display. We get that in our culture, don't we? It's displaying something. There'll always be some banter. And here's the thing about passion, and my dad can relate to this as a Newcastle fan. Even when the team is rubbish. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) Even when the team is rubbish, you still support them. You still cheer them on. They still turn up. They still pay their money and cheer them on. They're 5-0 down, but they're still singing songs. That is passion. Because it's the pain of going through it and like, oh, this is awful. We wish we were doing better. But I'm in it anyway. It's passion. 
Are you with me? Let me think of another example. Parents, and probably particularly mums, dropping their children off for the first time at nursery or the big school. Anyone been to the school, dropped your kid off, get back in the car, and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> I hope they're going to be all right. <laughs> I hope they make a friend, and I hope no one takes the mickey out of him. Do you know what that is? Passion. Because you so want your child to be all right, it just has to come out somewhere, and the car park is a good place. <laughs> it's this idea of passion. Do you see it? What about when you get a bit older? I want to tell a little story about my dad. You know, when I was young, about 12, just stepping into the football world, I was talented. I got into a very good team. We, we won every single week. And um, I was quite tricky and skillful and had tricks and stuff. And you'd play against some of these teams, and they'd just get, at 12 years old, they just got frustrated. So what do they do? They start kicking you. And so I'll be skirting around the middle, boom, up goes Barry Roberts again. Oh, I'm a bit hurt, I'm a bit hurt. And there's my dad. And you know my dad, you know, if you want to put a, a word around my dad, it's pastor, because he loves people. It's father, because he loves people. He's the one who's there, and you know he's there, and he's strong. But he doesn't necessarily pipe up too often, but he's there. But on the 15 millionth time I got kicked, and I never exaggerate, <laughs> my dad started having a go at the ref. I was like, ref! What's the matter with you? Do you want to borrow these glasses? He's getting kicked all over the place. Do something about it. Protect him, man. My dad wouldn't shut up. My dad actually got sent off. <laughs> they said, sir, I'm going to stop the game unless you go back to the car. Do you know what that is? It's passion. Enough. It's, it is love, but it's more than he loves me. But it was like, no, this isn't okay. The passion had to have an expression. Even the pastor who's well considered had to let it out. But you know what it did for me? I always know my dad's passionate about me. That means something. Parents, come on, show your kids. They need to know you're passionate about them. You know, men, can I speak to the men in the room right now? If you are married or hope to be married or in a relationship, your lady wants you to be passionate about them. Can I hear the ladies in the room? Yes. Oh, you tell me. We've got a couple of passionate ones at the front. It's true. It's true. You know, in my, my wife Sarah's working life, not in the job she's in now, she loves this job, but in years gone by, she's been overlooked. She's been talked poorly of, she's been let down, and she comes home, and hear me now, you know, your wife or your girlfriend or your partner or whatever it might be comes home and they talk to you, and as men, we just want to put it right, don't we? It's how God put our hat on, you know, men, we just sort it out, and she comes home and she says, oh, I can't believe that happened, and, and I just get all indignant. No, not having it, not having it, that's terrible, that's terrible, that is, and instead of just listening to her, men hear me now just listening to her I have to pipe up oh, I can't believe that I go in the end Sarah has to start calming me down <laughs> but what am I doing I'm passionate about the girl she's my wife get off of her treat her fairly I'm not even asking for extra special just fair treatment no but Sarah knows I'm passionate about her come on 
come on man, your wife needs to know your power. I don't know what that might look like in your world, but I know this, they want to be known. They want you to know you're passionate about them. You know, my children, there was a time when Evie was at school and, and she really didn't get treated fairly. This is some years ago, so she might have been in, I don't know, year three or four or something like that, so much younger. And um, she came home and she said this, that and the other. And, I, and again, I was like, oh, I'm happy about that, not having it. But what do you do? Do you go steaming up the school? I don't know what you do. So this is what I did. I wrote a strongly worded letter. <laughs> and I sent it in. And to be fair, I got a response. And it was a fair response. And it, and it did the trick. The trouble is, if you know my family, they take the mickey out of everything. <laughs> so now, if you may come to ours for dinner at some point, and I start getting on my high horse... The children will go, oh, watch out, watch out, Dad's going to write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> but they know I'm passionate about them. They know I'm passionate about them. And that's helpful. And I feel like, you know, trying to put our finger on this idea of passion, it kind of, it almost moves away from logic. Something takes over you that you become indignant and you're feeling the pain of something or the commitment and it just bursts out of you. Do you know what I mean? And I want you to know this. I'm passionate about you. You, know, you are a brilliant church. It's my privilege to lead you. I am passionate about you. If I hear people talking you down, I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. Because <laughs> you're brilliant. And I won't have anyone say anything different. And I hope we are passionate about the church. And we are the church. And we are part of a bigger church. Where's the passion? So passionate people, are you, are you hearing me? All the way through God's word, we will see story after story of men and women uh, who are passionate and wrestle with this mix of emotions and the idea of it. I love that we find that the apostle John, and in John's own words, he was the disciple that Jesus loved. It's always humble, isn't it? And, uh, but they acknowledged, the other disciples acknowledged that he was closest to Jesus. You know, when Jesus says, I'm going to go, they all said to John, ask him about it. You're, you're. And that implies that they knew that he had the best relationship. So you're the one to ask. And so he, he was this guy who really got Jesus, was really close to Jesus. And, and we find him in the latter years of his life in Ephesus. And he's, he's a very old man now and can barely stand up. But he never lost his passion. And you Google it, you will find stories where they carry the Apostle John out onto the stage. And sometimes I think we think small, but you go and Google the church at Ephesus. It's a ginormous great big thing. I think it holds 20,000 people. And he comes out there, this, this little old man who was closest to Jesus. And they sit him down. And I'm going to assume they didn't have a wireless mic. But this is what his preach was. My children love each other. And then they carried him off. Now, I know you're praying for that kind of preacher. Because we'd be home having a cup of tea by now, wouldn't we? <laughs> see, now I'm drawing the passion out of you, aren't I? Yeah, see, 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 I know how it is, don't worry. But he never lost his passion. He couldn't sit and watch the church at Ephesus, even as an old man, live beneath the standards of love. Come on, we're better than this. Something in me, we just won't let it go. I'm an old man and you're going to have to carry me out there. But I've got to express it. Love each other. And you actually unpacked that message. That is every message. Brilliant. But here's what I want to do. I want to look at King Darius through this idea of his passion. And King Darius was the king at the time when Daniel was around, and they put he was the one who instigated Daniel going into the lion's den. 
And the reality is this, that King Darius had a real soft spot for Daniel. You know, he'd proven himself faithful and trustworthy. He'd proven himself absolutely brilliant, great insight. He could see his connection with God and how that was impacting him. But the trouble is, the other guys around Daniel were jealous of him. And they were thinking, how come this isn't good? He's getting all the plaudits. This isn't good. So they devised a plan. And many of you will be familiar with the story. But they devised a plan where on this given time, no one was allowed to pray or bow the knee to another god other than to King Darius himself. So when they presented this to King Darius, King Darius, as a man, probably full of pride, thought, that's a good idea. Yeah, everyone should bow the knee to me. But he hadn't thought it through. Because Daniel was only committed to his God. And so when they instigated this, you, you can't bow to anything else other than King Darius, Daniel was like, nope, not doing that. And because King Darius had signed this great idea, he'd actually signed Daniel's death warrant, in effect, to be thrown in with the lions. But King Darius loved Daniel. So what did that do to him? And I want to read it to you. So Daniel's been thrown in the lion's den. King Darius signed it, but didn't want to. He was tricked. And we find it here in Daniel chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 18 through to 24. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done nothing wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him. We've got to read in between the lines of New King James Version here. The king was proper chuffed. <laughs> he was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they came to the bottom of the den. Wow. Think about this through the eyes of passion. Here is the king Darius, who's passionate about Daniel. He's got this great relationship. It's, it's a real blessing to him. And he's somehow been tricked into doing his thing. And so his passion then takes over. He can't sleep. He can't eat. He doesn't want any entertainment. And first thing in the morning, he runs with haste to go and see if he's okay. This is passion on display. I can't sleep. I'm too passionate about the guy. What have I done? And then this is where kind of passion goes beyond logic and sense. His passion spins over. And he says, throw the men in the lion's den. And their children and their wives. Seems a bit harsh. But I think that's passion. It's just like, well, no, shut the lot of you then. Chuck them all in. It's passion on display. I'm not saying it's right, but it's passion. He was like, no, something isn't right here. And his passion went over the top. Can you see this idea of passion? And I believe in all these different stories, we see something of our passionate father, our God in heaven. Know this, he loves you. But know this, he's passionate about you. He is passionate about you. He sees the best in you. 
you know, we talk about this stuff a lot, but I think we keep it to ram, ram, it, ram it home. You're his treasure possession. You're the apple of his eye. You're the one he made fearfully and wonderfully and reverently and put purpose and hope and gifted in you. He is passionate about you. You're amazing to him. You're amazing to him. So often we look at ourselves in our lives and we lose our confidence as things go on and God's up in heaven going, I'm passionate about you. You're brilliant. Don't listen to the negativity. I'm with you because I put it in you. He's passionate about you. So often in life, and it's amazing the way the service has gone this morning, you know, so often in life things come at us and it can be fear and lack, worry and anxiety, huge in our society right now on the back of the pandemic, sickness, insecurity, loneliness, hurt, ultimately death. All these come, things come at us, but our passionate God in heaven says, no, no, I won't have it. I'm indignant on their behalf. It hurts me to see your suffering because I'm passionate about you. I'm stepping in. What does he do? He has to put his passion on display. And he puts his passion on display in Jesus. I, I love this in Jesus. You know, the, the disciples were chatting with him and asking him about his father. And Jesus is like, oh, come on, guys, you haven't got it, have you? And this is what he says. Jesus said to him, have I been with you? This is John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus says, I am the exact representation of my Father. You look at me, you're seeing him. And I am his passion on display. So when you analyze Jesus' life, what does he do? He says, this is what my Father looks like. He sees hungry people. And he feeds them. He sees confused people. And he teaches them. He sees lame people. And he heals them so they can walk again. He sees accused people. And he gives them forgiveness and freedom. He sees rejected people. And he accepts them. Why? Because this is what my passionate father looks like. Come on, someone's got to get a bit excited. That is how the father feels about you. And I don't know what you're going through. But I know this. Jesus is the answer. And he's passionate about you. He looks at you from heaven. You're his kid. He made you wonderfully. And he sees that fear welling up in you. He sees that time when you just haven't got enough and you're in lack. He sees that rejection you've been through where someone just pushed you aside and you're recovering from it and it's painful. He sees it. But he says, I'm passionate enough to send Jesus on your behalf. Your healing, your deliverance, your freedom, your next step. Is found in my son. And I put him on display. This is what the father looks like. I don't know if many of you have seen the film, The Passion of the Christ. Now, I, I didn't watch that film for many, many years. And my reasoning is for this. I don't want to look at my Jesus going through that. He's my saviour. But I forced myself to watch it some years ago. And I've watched it three or four times now. So if you haven't watched it, I encourage you. The Passion of the Christ, done by Mel Gibson. And the, the word passion ultimately means pain and suffering. It's the suffering of the Christ. It's talk, it shows the, what his last seven days on earth look like. And it's horrendous. You know, we, we pretty up, actually. But when you watch what Jesus went through, it was awful. But he was prepared to do that. To position anyone who will say yes to him with a life of hope. I am putting my passion, I will suffer, I'll be falsely accused, I'll be mocked, I'll be brutally murdered, but this says my passion for you. 
This says I love you. This says I'm in it with you. I'm not doing this for a laugh. I'm doing this so you win. And so anyone who says yes to Jesus steps into a new life. See, on the cross, Jesus defeated and took authority and squashed anything that can hurt us in our humanity. Jesus is king over all. So I don't know what you're battling, but I know Jesus is the answer. And as we come to him, he was wounded so we would be healed. And he was rejected so we could be accepted. He died so we could live. You can go on. The answer is Jesus. And it's how do we appropriate that then? Come on, in relationship with him. We can't drift through life with all of our struggles, knowing Jesus is the answer and not engage Jesus. Come on, church, where's the passion for Jesus? To say, I need you in the midst of this so that I can walk in freedom and have a testimony of your goodness. I love the idea that God's in heaven saying, get off my kids. I wonder if God's written a strongly worded letter to Satan. <laughs> get off my kids. Sickness, you can't have them. Lack, you can't have them. Rejection, you can't have them. They're my kids, and I've won the victory already. I love it. I love it. Here in uh, Zephaniah three seventeen, we see more of the passion of our Father. It says this. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love that. You know, I'm passionate about my wife, but I wouldn't put her through me going, Sarah, I love you. You're just the best. And you amaze me. Hi, how can I be in the team? And our survey said, <laughs> but the word says that's exactly what our Father does over us. Can you just picture it for a second? Your passionate Father, who has already put his passion on display in Jesus, he's now watching us wrestle through life and he's going, Toby, you're awesome. Mark Ambrose, you're the best. Azelia, come on, love you girl, you amaze me. Our father is passionate about us. And when you've got the king of heaven passionate about you, what could ever stand against you anyway? We win. I love this idea, the mighty one will save. Because the reality is when we say yes to Jesus, when we say, look, we need you in our life, you are welcome here, guide me forward. We don't have to know everything. We just have a little bit of faith that says, I believe in you and you're welcome here. Then we go on this incredible journey that we call salvation. The mighty one will save. We accept Jesus' offer. And then we're in that moment, we step from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We step from the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven. That happens in a moment. God sees you differently. The enemy sees you differently. You're in a new kingdom. But then we start going on a journey. See, salvation is a moment, but it's also a journey. None of us here is quite Jesus yet. Clearly, Dad's the closest. But none of us here is Jesus yet. We're on a journey, and it's a salvation journey. God takes us and gently heals us from our hurts. We've all been through stuff, and we're all going through stuff. But Jesus has committed in his passion to walk with you. Come on. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. And I'm creating a table of life for you. And we're going to do this together. It's salvation. 
that rejection that was so painful, that thing you're already struggling with, I'm the answer. And if you'll let me, I'll take you there. And all that brokenness that's built up in and around your life suddenly comes together and you become the person God always meant you to be. You are, you are magnificent. God sees you as magnificent. So we need to go on this salvation journey so our reality is the magnificence that God made us to be. Probably we're not there yet, but Jesus is committed because he's passionate about you. And he will stand with you and he's taken authority. I love this. You know, you picture the father singing over his children, that's me and you. And then we need to start being passionate about ourselves. You know, how about stop fearing people, stop fearing situations, and start believing you actually are the amazing person God called you to be? Why do we live in fear? Why do we worry about stuff? We do it. But our reality is the God who created heaven. If God can create the universe, and I believe he did, I'm sure he can sort out Barry Roberts' little issues, or big issues, maybe. He can do that. He can do that for you. We just need to say, I need you right now. Got a bit of brokenness in my life. Got a bit of hurt I'm wrestling with. Don't feel whole at the moment. And God says, I'm there. And let's walk it out together. It's going to be a journey, but I'm committed. And as we go on that journey, we experience the passionate love of a father who says, I'm never giving up on you. I'm never giving up on you. I'm never giving up on you. You might give up on yourself, but I'm not giving up on you. And maybe one day you'll get in front of a Barry Roberts preach and something might stir in you say, come on, I'm starting again. Come, how about today's a new day for you? I don't know where you're at in life, but how about today's a new day for you? That you shift something in your thought processes. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind to say, Jesus, let me be the person you created me to be. Everything that's come at me and stolen from me and robbed me and hurt me, I let it go. I lay it at the foot of the cross and just help me be a better version of myself because you're passionate about me. And so I'm going to start being passionate about myself. And if you want to talk me down, talk me down. But I ain't receiving it because I'm going to be the man God called me to be. You have a contribution to make. So how about we run together with passion? The God of love who put his passion on display in Jesus, has now got authority over anything that could come at you. He has authority. So how about we appropriate that authority with passion to say, I'm going to be the person you called me to be. Can I start rounding it up here with this question? Could we, his church, become passionate about the things God's passionate about? I, I love the line, and I think it was an old Hillsong song, and it says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, God in heaven, looking down at humanity now, it's got to be painful. So many brilliant people just struggling, dying, hurting, suffering. And it's just like, come on, church, let's look around us and say, God, give me your eyes. Let me see what's around me. What difference can I make? I'm your hands and feet. I'm a person of faith. I carry you. If you're the answer and you're in me, I become part of the answer. Could we start saying, Lord, what does that look like? You know, I, I believe God is passionate for the church. So could we become more passionate for the church? And what, what does that even look like? Well, maybe it looks like serving. Maybe it looks like turning up and helping and playing your part. Maybe it looks like setting up or packing down. Maybe it just looks like committing to be here every week to get your weight behind the meeting. But it's showing some passion. Not just I love the church, I'm passionate about it. Maybe it means reaching out midweek to saying, how are you? 
I think you were amazing, church, all through lockdown. I loved it when I saw on social media someone's popped a coffee around to someone because they were on their own. Someone's baked a, a meal. Someone's made some cakes. Someone had a phone call. That's because we're passionate about each other. Let's not stop that because we've unlocked. Let's be passionate about each other. There is someone here who would really value your phone call. There was someone here who would really value you knocking on the door and saying, I thought I'd pop over for a coffee. There was someone here who would really value you saying, God, what do you want me to do for them? I want you to give them a hundred quid and popping it through the letterbox. Passion. What does passion for the church look like practically? Could we be that group of people? And what about passion for the suffering that's around us? What does it even look like? keeping our eyes open for opportunities to help to pray to give to be there in the middle of it we're representing the Father's Father in heaven he's passionate there are people in this school who need Jesus there are people on this estate that need Jesus there are people who live in your street that need Jesus there are people in your workplace that need Jesus Jesus is the answer to their issues and we carry it we get passionate about that it's not okay to be quiet anymore the passion has to have an expression could that be you what about passion to see people meet Jesus what about passion to see someone you love and care about step from a place of not knowing Jesus into relationship with Jesus where we know we know we know when they make that decision their life's going to explode Sometimes I think we just get blase about it. We've been Christians so long, it's just normal. I've challenged myself to think, what would it have been like to go through that pandemic without Jesus? Just fair play at people. But I had an anchor. I had a faith that says, my God's got me. And things might come at me, but I'm not going to be swayed either way. Because I know he's creating a table for me at the end of all this, and it's going to be a celebration. And my faith became my anchor. What if you didn't have that? So who do you know who could next week be sat next to you? Do you know what passion looks like? It looks like an invite to church that says, just come. You'll have a good time. The preacher's brilliant. <laughs> Obviously referring to Sarah. But do you know what I mean? We create a place like this because we want to be proud of a place where people can come and meet Jesus where they leave feeling better than the way they came in where they walk out and go wow you know, oh, I, feel, I feel light I feel good do you know why because they stood in the presence of Jesus come could you invite someone this week could someone be in church next weekend because you put your passion on display for the church and for the people and say would you come they might say yes and if they say no it's not a rejection keep praying you might become a yes you can add to that list of things there about what it is to be a passionate church passionate about the things God's passionate about I felt encouraged as I was kind of writing this message and I was flicking around different things and I flicked onto our website and there's a little bio of me being the lead pastor here and I didn't write it I actually don't know who wrote it I think it was someone in Surrey but this is what it says, not my words. Barry is one of the most passionate people we know. I'm chuffed about that. 
because I think that shows something of my father. Now, I don't get everything right. You all know that. But I'm passionate. And I love you guys. And I love my father. And I want to see everyone win. And if that's what people think of me, hallelujah. Could we all be like that? You know, I've been taught over the years that probably a church reflects its senior leader. Well, on that basis, guys, you've got to wear terrible clothes. <laughs> but you've got to be passionate. You've got to have a faith in you that says, come on. I'm here to change the world. I'm not here to drift through and pay the bills and have a holiday once a year. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to bring heaven to earth. Someone needs the passion in me to be expressed because it represents my father. And we might not always get it right. But this is what I love about my father. When we get it wrong, he makes it right somehow. He still uses it. So would you allow the father to stir you? Just write a couple of questions down to round it up. Has something robbed you of your passion? What's happened? Is today the day you need a fresh touch from Jesus? Does something need to be healed in your inner person that's just been robbing you of the expression that you're frustrated with yourself because you want to get it out there and you're like, oh, you, want, you never do. Or is today your day to say, Jesus, I just want to release that thing that's inside of me. I don't know what even it is that's holding me back or something's holding me back. Come on, is today your day? Can I stir that passion in you? I was making the cup of tea this morning um, before I came to church and we have some glass cups and you can see straight through them and when you drop the bag in there and you pour the, the water on it sits there for a bit and not much happens but when you start stirring it you can see it instantly becomes tea colour well there's passion in you and it can sit there but could I stir it come on could passion be on display could we be passionate people because it reflects the father could we allow Jesus to continually save us and the things that are holding us back so that you could be the awesome person you were always supposed to be. Are you hearing me? Would you mind standing? I'd love to pray for you. Could I just invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing? I think it's just helpful. No rules, don't if you don't want to, but let's have a moment with the king. Let's give the person next to you a moment with the king. Father, I want to thank you for your presence in this room. Every time we gather together and we worship you, you show up. Thank you. Lord, I want to thank you for every brilliant person that you've gathered today. People who made a choice this morning to get out of bed and come to church. I speak a blessing over you guys. Stir us, Father God. Holy Spirit, would you stir us? Stir that passion in us, something that has to come out, something that has to be expressed. Stir it in us. Whatever that may look like for you, I stir that passion in you. Lord, for every person who feels like their passion has been robbed, Would you come as the healer? 
Would you come and touch hearts and minds even right now, right where we're standing? Be healed in Jesus' name. Sometimes the beginning of a healing is actually a decision in your heart to forgive someone. That person who wounded you terribly. But when you say, I, I let it go, I forgive you, the healer comes rushing in. Sometimes it's not that at all. Sometimes it's not about forgiveness. It's just something that's just crept up on you and is robbing you. But nothing is too big and nothing is too small for our Saviour Jesus. Lord, would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? Could we begin to look, even this week as we go about our lives, could we even begin to look at people and situations differently and say, Lord, what do you see here? I see an angry and frustrated man who's tearing people apart. But you see a hurt and wounded man who's carrying things from his past. He's lashing out. I see a little kid at school who's the bully and unpleasant to all the kids. But you see a little boy who's never been loved at home. And he's hurting. I see a girl who's going around town trying to meet every guy they could possibly meet. And I find it sad. But you see a girl who was rejected by her father just doesn't know how to express it. She just wants the touch of a man. For a moment, it makes her feel better. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me be someone who will step up and speak up. Let me be someone who will put my faith on display, become part of someone else's solution. Use us, Lord God. just with every eye closed is, is today someone's day to put their life right with Jesus maybe you've drifted in your relationship with Jesus is today the day where you say I want that right again is today the day you say well I've never been right with Jesus if I'm honest but I want to open up to him just with every eye closed if you'd like to pray a prayer that puts your life right with Jesus today just give me a wave and we'll pray together I want to give you that opportunity it's the best decision anyone ever makes in their whole life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Cool. We're all good today, but we'll always get that opportunity. Let me encourage you guys. There'll be some people at the end standing at the front here who are willing to pray with you. And if something I've said today has touched you or stirred something in you and it'd be helpful to have someone pray with you, please come. The rest of us will go out the back and have some coffee, some tea hang out have a chat but we want to give you a moment to have a touch from the king so father god i just speak a blessing on your church i declare the word passionate people over you and ask holy spirit as only you can you would stir passion in us so we could represent you better and all god's people said